The Vision app is the best place to find a growing range of homegrown, on-demand audio to help you look to God daily. You can listen to Faith and Fostering with Christians chatting about foster care in an Australian context. Plus, be encouraged by Pastor Terry Nightingale's four-minute devotions with new episodes added each week in the free Vision Christian Media app. If you don't already have the app on your smartphone or tablet, download it now from vision.org.au slash app. Vision.org.au slash app. Vision. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. The story. By the time she was 15, 16 years old, we found ourselves in the throes of a of a real rebellion that kind of really made you question whether you were a good parent, you knew what you were doing, and who had taken your daughter hostage. And I will say, thankfully, in the midst of that, we had a letter from that girl from Compassion International Omaha, and I thought to myself, that's it. I'm taking my daughter to Rwanda. We're going to go meet this girl. And God knows why I thought that would solve any problems, but thankfully God knew why that would solve our problems. I just didn't know it yet. G'day, I'm Jimmy Colfax. Welcome to The Story. Well, today we're going to hear how the lives of a family in the United States interconnected with the lives of two families in Rwanda. Randy Hartley is the executive producer of a movie called Beautifully Broken, which is based on his family's real-life experiences. It's a powerful story of how three fathers fight to save their families in different ways and how God ultimately brings about a beautiful healing in all of their lives. Randy Hartley is having a chat with Eric Scatterbo. Randy Hartley, welcome to the program. Good to be here, and I appreciate you having me. Glad to have you with us. And before we get started, I should say you're joining us from Nashville, Tennessee. Is that right? Straight from Music City. Yes, I am. <laughs> That's right. And before we get into the movie and what inspired it, uh, I, was, I was wondering if you could kind of give us some background and what led up to the story. Right. Well, I never thought I'd be in the, in the movie business. I'm a financial planner. I deal with investments and so forth. So uh, making movies, the last thing I thought I would do. But um, uh, God had other plans. And uh Reluctantly, he tapped me on the shoulder and revealed a story to me that that ended up becoming the movie. And in the midst of it, you, the last thing I thought I'd want to do was tell the world about what was going on in my life. But um, mm-hmm. thankfully, the uh, the ending's a pretty happy one, and and one I felt like should be revealed, and maybe people would enjoy and be entertained and be inspired. So that's how we that's how I ended up in the movie business. Okay, so where should we get started? What year do you think um, the story begins? Well, I, I, I would tell you that it, it begins when we went to a concert and began sponsoring a little girl from Rwanda through Compassion International. And just as a parent, I thought that would be kind of a nice thing to do. And mm-hmm. I had each of my children pick somebody to sponsor, and my middle daughter said that she wanted to sponsor a little girl from uh, from Africa. And so uh, we were blessed to be given a girl named Amahosa from Rwanda. And at six years old, my daughter began corresponding with her and and uh, became pen pals, and and little did I know how that fateful event would have an impact on the lives of our family. And how was your relationship with your daughter at that time? Oh, it was fine. I mean, we had a good, loving house. I mean, Mm -hmm. my wife and I have been married for 33 years, and, you know, had the house and the dog and the suburbs, a good job. Life was was great. And as a dad with uh, kids who were, you know, four to eight years old, you you don't know that you got to hang on to your hat for what might get thrown at you. Um, and your strong Christian family? Yeah, oh yeah, absolutely. Went to church, you know, um, about every Sunday, and the kids were baptized in the church and confirmed in it, and and um, just a good Christian family. And I was raised in the church, and um, 
were were blessed uh, uh, beyond what we deserved, and and still are. Um, what we didn't know is that uh, that there's evil in the world that was going to throw us some curveballs, and and uh, we had to be ready for it. Yeah. Well, before we get to the, the curveballs, I should say, having watched the movie, the very powerful movie that. Uh, your daughter liked to ride horses. I mean, that sounds like the ideal uh, type of childhood. Well, I mean, we really did. We 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 lived, We grew up in a suburb outside of Nashville. Uh, you know, my career was going well. I had horses across the street. Lived on a couple acres. Um, just really couldn't have been uh, happier in thinking that we were set, and mm-hmm. uh, uh, could have been going any better. And as I say, it, it, we, we, things were as good as it could get. And um, and even though the movie, frankly, portrays one child, just because out of simplicity, it's easier to make that. Mm-hmm. We had three children in our family, so she had an older sister, and we were a little bit prepared for what girls do when they go through uh, the years of 13, 14, 15, 16. But down the road, uh, it's where we got some hints that maybe things were a little different. But up to that point, no, absolutely, we were blessed and, and couldn't have been happier. Okay, and then, as you mentioned, life threw you some curveballs at that time. Well, threw some yeah, threw some curveballs at us. I mean, uh, as I mentioned, I had an older daughter, and I don't know a dad who hadn't had a thirteen or fourteen year old uh, daughter uh, say something or do something, and you kind of look at him and think, "Who are you?" Um, a little rebellion going on there, huh? Oh, just a little bit, just <laughs> and a little questioning of whether dad knows what the heck he's talking about. <laughs> yeah. Um, but but with the second daughter, it's just becoming more and more pronounced, and her rebellion was 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 more pronounced, and and her acting out was was far beyond what we were used to. And at first, you're wondering, did we do something wrong, or what's different here? And before long, particularly her mother was the one saying, "Listen, something's different here. Something's not right." And uh, you know, by the time she was fifteen, sixteen years old, we found ourselves in the throes of a of a real rebellion that kind of really made you question whether. You were a good parent. You knew what you were doing, and 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 who had taken your daughter hostage? And uh, it, it wasn't until that point that we that we did learn that uh, that evil had found our daughter, and uh, and we were desperate to try to get her back on track. And I will say, thankfully, in the midst of that, literally one day in the middle of the total exasperation, I got the mail and I looked, and we had a letter from that girl from Compassion International Mahosa. And I thought to myself, that's it. I'm taking my daughter to Rwanda. We're going to go meet this girl. And God knows why I thought that would solve any problems. But thankfully, God knew why that would solve our problems. I just didn't know it yet. So correct me if I'm wrong, but your daughter was pretty much uh, a strong Christian young girl up to that point, going to Christian concerts. And then all of a sudden, sure. her personality yeah. dramatically changed for the worse. She kind of went off absolutely. the rails. Oh, absolutely. And, and uh, you know, it's not like it was an all of a sudden, but it's just that slow, steady slide that just began to accelerate. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, you're doing everything you can to try to figure out what's going on and what was making the changes and trying to discipline and ground them. And, you know, uh, yeah. a- everything that you did with the first one, it's just all of a sudden you're not getting the same results and you're wondering what, what in the world is, is going on. And, um, it took us a few years to at least learn the cause of it, but then learning the cause doesn't give you the answer. But it, it certainly, uh, it, it certainly at least created a foundation to try to build back from. Yeah, and she had this ongoing kind of pen pal relationship with the young lady in Rwanda. But even she stopped doing that. Is that right? Well, certainly it cut back. I mean, it was something that she she participated in enthusiastically as a younger child. But in that middle of that rebellion. Um, you know, certainly even her correspondence with Almahosa became, 
you know, far less frequent than something she didn't do with the same enthusiasm that she did at, at, at one time. Um, but thankfully, that didn't stop us from getting that letter at the right time. And, uh, you know, God knows why we got the letter at the time we did, but it was perfect timing, and it kind of created the, the, the rest of the story for us to try to get back on track with things. Now, in the movie, you actually read the letter from Umahosa. Is, is that what right. happened in, in real life? Yeah, not not in real life. That was an easy way to um, to maybe illustrate our our need to go to Rwanda. But but in real life, it literally was. I came home one day and found that stack of letters, and in the middle of exasperation, walking frustrated into my office and picking up the mail, I saw that letter, and it just hit me like a ton of bricks. That that's it. That that's that's what we need to do. We need to we need to go to Rwanda. And as I say, my naive thought for doing that was if i could get her there she could just see how fortunate she was yeah you know it would help yeah, get riding on horses and everything and, uh, as opposed to yeah, uh, living exactly. like yeah. they do in rwanda yeah exactly but uh god had a, a much better plan than than mine i'll say that to say the least so at what point did you find out that your daughter had gone through a traumatic incident you know, it, it had happened right about that same age at 16 in the middle of the exasperation. So mm-hmm. after seeing her kind of slide for about three years, uh, we, we kind of finally learned of the traumatic event that she'd been through. Mm-hmm. And, and while that didn't solve the problem, it at least um, gave some insight as to what was happening. Yeah. Um, but, but we were still at a loss as to quite exactly what to do. Uh, and we were going seeing counselors and doing the things that you're supposed to do. Yeah. But the progress seemed to be so painfully slow. So you, as a father, that had to be so heartbreaking. I mean, here you had this good relationship with your daughter, and then suddenly she's distant and doing, you know, questionable behavior. How did that make you feel? Right. Oh, and listen, it, it, it'll throw doubt into you. I mm-hmm. mean, to you and yeah. your relationship, and mm-hmm. between a husband and wife, between a father and the child. I mean, it's uh, you know, I wouldn't wish that on anybody because it brings self doubt and yeah, uh, you know, just. Uh, conflict and uh, it, it wasn't a fun time to be in the household that's for sure okay but then you came up with this idea to go to rwanda so how did that go well you know it, it's kind of funny because the, the the second half of it is we had had some neighbors who moved in who had fled the rwandan genocide mm-hmm. uh years earlier uh, i had met a man named william Wazerwa. I uh, found out that he had been an executive with the rwandan coffee company and knew just a little bit about the fact that he'd escaped the genocide and came to America, and probably like most Americans, maybe most Australians, we knew something about the genocide. You knew mm-hmm. that there was some conflict going on in Rwanda, didn't know the whole story, mm-hmm. but did know that William had had, had to flee, uh, came here initially by himself, and his family joined him. Um, they happened to move down the street from us, and we got to know them. And so in the middle of my despair, and, and by the way, I mentioned to William that we're sponsoring a little girl from Compassion, and, and mm-hmm. uh, he, he acknowledged that, and, and he was starting a ministry to help other refugees, and I was beginning to assist him in that. And in the midst of all that, our daughter's life has taken this left-hand turn, so I approached mm-hmm. William and said, William, I've got to take my daughter to Rwanda. Can you help me? And um, he had not been back since the genocide. This was about uh, uh, 10, 15 years later. Mm-hmm. And um, long story short is we, we engaged his family. They were able to lead us back to Rwanda, specifically to go meet the little girl that, that we had sponsored through Compassion. Mm-hmm. But through God's plan, we learned so much more about him, and he learned more, and it just uh, it really gave God the opportunity to tie a ribbon around these three families that ultimately would help each other in such dramatic ways that are shown in the film. 
You're listening to The Story. Our guest today is Randy Hartley, who is the executive producer of a movie called Beautifully Broken, which is based on his family's real-life experiences. Next, we'll find out what happened when Randy and his daughter make a life-changing trip to Rwanda. That and more when we return. If this program has highlighted something you'd like prayer for, we'd love to pray for you. Call 1-800-PRAY-FOR-ME. That's 1-800-772-936. It's a free call. Or text 0401-132-888. Hi, I'm Jimmy Colfax, and this is The Story. Our guest today is coming to us all the way from Nashville, Tennessee. Randy Hartley is the executive producer of a movie called Beautifully Broken about his family and how their lives interconnected with two other families from Rwanda. Before the break, we heard how Randy's daughter was kind of going off the rails and they didn't know what to do about it. Until one day, he got the idea that maybe if she met her pen pal from Rwanda, maybe that would have a positive impact on her life. Now, we're going to find out how that trip to Rwanda impacted her life and the lives of many other people. It was beyond description. I will say that when we first got to Rwanda, because it was the Muzerwa's first trip back, for the first few days, we were spending time with them in Kigali mm-hmm. and really starting to understand the genocide and the impact that we had been through. In fact, the first day traveling through Kigali, Brali Muzerwa, the wife, had our taxi driver pull over. We were winding through some back roads, and we came against a house with a wall and a ditch in front of it. And she said, that was our house. That's the place we lived when we lived in Rwanda. And then she pointed to the ditch, and she said, that's the ditch that we laid in the day the militia came to our house and laid us in the ditch with machetes to our head. Wow. And I'll never forget, she said, I don't know how long we lived there, because how do you count seconds when you're waiting to die? Hmm. But all of a sudden, some shots rang out over the horizon, and the soldiers ran away, and William gathered the family up and brought us back into the house, and we prayed all night, and we left the next morning, and I've not been back until this moment. So you talk about creating an emotional, just unbelievable vision for what the genocide was and what they were going through for their return. That really set the tone for the trip. And so our first several days were were just meeting old friends, going to their old church, learning more about their backstory. And then finally it came time for us to go out and and meet Amahosa. And um, I'll never forget that the compassion drove us out there. we were the first family to ever visit this remote village because while Compassion certainly brought many people through Rwanda, very few would drive out the several-hour drive out to the remote village that our child happened to be in. Mm-hmm. But nevertheless, when we got to their house, um, Amahosa and her mom came out, but her dad came walking out. And I was really surprised by that because all of our correspondents had always said that he'd been in prison. And so I didn't expect him to be there. But he came out and he introduced himself, and, and the Muzer was our translator. And he told us that in 1994, when Amahosa was two years old, he went to jail, and he'd been in jail until one month before we arrived. Oh, wow. And he said that when I went to jail, I prayed to God, how is my family going to survive? How can my family handle this? And he said, God sent me you. So he said, I want to thank you for being the faithful father to my family well, I couldn't be here. Well, how ironic and is that? I want to tell you, oh, 
to say the least, because here I am, a dad from Nashville, wandering the back hills of Rwanda, feeling like I'm the one that's failed. Yeah. And trying to bring my daughter here and get her back on rails. And the first thing I do is I meet the man whose daughter we've been sponsoring, and he tells me, thank you for being faithful. So that was step number one of just emotionally knocking me off my feet. Yeah. And then the next thing he said, the next thing he said was, he said, in Rwanda, we don't name our children until they're after they're born. And they're named typically uh, an attribute or an aspiration. So there's a lot of people in Rwanda whose Rwandan name means, you know, the tall or the beautiful or the smart or the, the lovely or whatever. And he said, my wife and I couldn't have children for years, and we were so afraid that we would be barren that we'd almost given up faith. Mm-hmm. But when our daughter was born, she restored our faith, so we named her Amahosa, because Amahosa means the Redeemer. Hmm. And I got to tell you, I was about in tears thinking that I brought my daughter to Rwanda to wander the back hills to go meet this little girl whose name wasn't the blue-eyed or the cute or the tall or the fast or the smart. We were wandering the hills to go meet the Redeemer. Wow. And um, wow. it just, um, it was a godly moment, to say the least. And um, just to see the impact that we had on them, to see my daughter's eyes open up to uh, what was happening and, and, and so forth, it's, it's, it's impossible to describe uh, what that moment was like. And I'll tell you the other irony to it. Mm-hmm. Her dad had gone to jail because he participated in the Hutu militia. He didn't explicitly tell us that, but if you're arrested in 1994, the year of the genocide, and he was Hutu, and he was released in 2015, uh, excuse me, in 2009. That was the year in Rwanda they had something called the Great Reconciliation. They realized we can't keep 10% of our population locked up. So the president decided that if you weren't a major participant in the genocide, um, that if you confessed to what you had done and asked for forgiveness, they would let you out for time served. Now, sometimes we think we're an advanced country here. To me, uh, how more uh, biblically based can your politics be than that? Hmm. And so her father clearly was let out during that great reconciliation. And yet we were led there to meet them by a Tutsi family that had escaped the genocide. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's never been lost on me that God gave us a Tutsi family to bring us back to meet a Hutu family whose daughter had saved our lives. It it just became became something so far greater than a coincidence that it was just uh, miraculous. Yeah. Now, I'm I'm just wondering what was going on inside of your daughter at this point. As we mentioned, she had gone through a horrendous traumatic experience. And now at this point, what do you think is going on inside of her? Well, to be honest with you, at the time, in that exact moment, that's one of the questions I had. It's just like, how much of this is sinking in? How Mm -hmm. much of this is making a difference in Andrew's life? But boy, we got that answer pretty quickly when she came back for her senior year of high school here. Um, She quit cheerleading. Uh, She was volunteering at Legacy Mission Village. Her grades went from something that no parent's proud of to, to all A's. Um, she went on to college to study international studies with an emphasis on Africa. She learned wow. Swahili as her second language. She led three mission trips to, to Africa during her college years. And when she graduated, she applied for a job at one of the uh, mission groups that she had gone there for and moved to Africa and became uh, working in the mission field in Kenya. And that's where she is today. So um, I, I tell people all the time, if you don't think God can produce miracles, 
you should see my 26-year-old daughter today and the 16-year-old mm-hmm. that was in my house. Yeah. Only God can make that kind of transformation. I can assure you of that. At the time, I didn't know what she was thinking, mm-hmm. but her actions showed uh, what an impact it had made on her life. And, of course, she has cooperated in the making of this movie. Has she shared now You know what that meant to her personally? I mean, she has, to be honest with you, it's still a traumatic uh, situation for her. It's mm-hmm. not something that she um, likes talking about a whole lot. Clearly, when we made the movie, the very first thing I did to her was say, we're thinking about going public and making this. Um, obviously, if she said no, there's no chance I would have done it. Mm-hmm. Um, she gave it a full endorsement to help change people's lives. Uh, but frankly, she said, you know, Dad, the only thing I ask is I don't want to be a part of the promotion because I'm just not that person anymore. I've moved so far past that. Mm-hmm. So while she blessed the project and understands the impact it can make, I fully respect her for saying, I'm here doing my thing. I don't want to be known as the girl who went through trauma. I want to be known as who I am and what I'm doing today. Mm-hmm. And so um, so we don't. she doesn't do a lot of interviews. She's not you know, involved with it. But I couldn't be prouder of her. I, mm-hmm. I just couldn't be prouder of her. Now, in the movie, she has an emotional connection with a person in Rwanda who shares about their trauma. Is that basically what happened, do you think? Yes. Well, in a lot of ways, because in the movie, we, we portray the Mazeros. That's the family that escaped the genocide I mentioned. Yeah. And truly, their daughter, M.A., was helping run the refugee ministry that, that the Mazeros had started in Nashville. And so before we took our trip to Rwanda... I told my daughter, I said, you have to help pay for this trip. And she looked at me kind of funny, and I said, the way you're going to pay for it is you need to go volunteer at Legacy Mission Village, the refugee ministry started by the Mazera family. Mm-hmm. So the Mazera is one of the things I respect so much about them is when they escaped the genocide and came here to start over, they didn't say, how do we rebuild our wealth? I was a successful businessman and gave up everything. What William said is, I should have lost my life many times in 1994. I view all the time I have left on earth as a loan from God, and I'm going to spend the rest of my life repaying that loan. And he started a ministry serving refugees. So I told my daughter to pay for the trip. You have to volunteer at Legacy Mission Village. Mm -hmm. And I will tell you, the first day she went, she went because I made her. And the next thousand days she went, she went because she loved it. Mm -hmm. She told us later that because of the trauma she had gone through, she had lost all her self-esteem, and she viewed herself as worthless. Mm -hmm. And as a parent, you can pour all the love you have into that vessel, and it didn't seem to stick. Mm -hmm. But she told us when she started volunteering and those children at the refugee ministry came running to her every day and saying how much they loved her and couldn't wait to see her, she said, Dad, how can I be worthless if those kids love me and they can't wait to see me? Wow. And so... I, I tell people all the time, we were blessed to do an international mission trip that was truly transformational. But the transformation started way before we hopped on a plane to Africa. Mm-hmm. And yeah. in her situation, it happened when she started giving. At a time that she felt like she had nothing to give, she started giving. And in that act of giving is when she received so much more. Mm-hmm. And um, I am evangelical that helping others leads to healing. In fact, I would go so far as to say that when you start helping others, that's the glue that helps you put those broken pieces back together. And that's when you become stained glass instead of shattered glass. Hmm. The name of the movie is called Beautifully Broken. Could you unpack that title for us? 
Well, I mean, that's just it right there. It's beautifully broken, and it's a perfect lead into it. If you think of stained glass, I mean, some of the most beautiful churches in the world, but they're stained glass. It's it's shattered glass that God's put back together hmm. to be more beautiful than it could have been at the beginning. And, um, you know, again, if our movie was named Broken, I would try to hide it from you. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's truly beautifully broken because all three families in this movie were broken in ways that they could have not... Um, that was nothing that they had done. It was something that was thrust upon them hmm. uh, that created the brokenness in the families. And thankfully, through faith and perseverance and forgiveness, God put each of those pieces back together. And um, I think each of the families would say they're now doing what God had intended them to do, whether it's the Mazeras and their their refugee ministry that we're so proud to, to, to serve in as well as chairman of it, uh, whether it's my daughter's life and the, what she's doing now in Africa, um, whether it's Omahosa who... The Redeemer, who our family keeps in touch with, and and after Compassion International through Legacy Mission Village, we sponsored a scholarship so that Amahosa is becoming the first person in her family to ever graduate from college. I mean, wow. only God could take those three threads and mm-hmm. tie them together in a way that you could never see it coming. And and um, you know, there's more to it in the movie. I truly believe anybody who sees the movie will be absolutely blessed and inspired, and hopefully motivated in different ways. And I, I truly know in the screenings we've gone to where we've met people who've seen it, um, that's the blessing is given back to our family is just the outpouring that we've received of of the impact that the movies had, whether it's people saying that there's someone they need to go forgive, mm-hmm. yeah. people saying they need to forgive themselves, um, the light is shining on refugees, you name it. And I, I feel blessed that, that that God revealed this story to us and um and gave me the means to make it become a movie. And I hope it'll bless lives for the people who see it. Well, it is a truly powerful movie, beautifully broken. Thank you so much for sharing your story and the story behind this movie. Well, I really appreciate you giving me the opportunity. You know, I tell people all the time, I wouldn't wish the hand that we were dealt on mm-hmm. anybody. Mm-hmm. But the great thing is we have a Lord and Savior that can show you how to play any hand and make it a winning hand. Wow. And he truly made our misfortune a winning hand. Wow, that's a wonderful way of putting it. Yeah. Amen. Wow. Thank you so much, Randy Hartley. Thank you so much for having me. That was Eric Scadabo chatting with Randy Hartley on the phone from his home in Nashville, Tennessee. Randy is the executive producer of a movie called Beautifully Broken, which is based on his family's real-life experiences and how their lives interconnected with the lives of two other families in Rwanda. It was fantastic to hear about the tremendous transformation that Randy's daughter has gone through. By helping other people and hearing about the trauma in their lives, she was able to begin to heal from the trauma that she'd gone through. As it says in the Bible in Psalm 34, the Lord is near to the brokenhearted, and saves the crushed in spirit. To find out more about the movie Beautifully Broken, the website is beautifullybroken.com.au. That's beautifullybroken.com.au. Finally, if you'd like to pray with someone about anything you've heard on today's program, our prayer line is 1-800-PRAY-FOR-ME. That's 1-800-772-936. And we'd love to pray for you on that line, one 800 772 Well, thanks for joining us for Randy Hartley sharing the story behind the movie Beautifully Broken. I'm Jimmy Colfax, encouraging you to share your story with someone today. Next time on The Story. A quick excerpt from a story that happened to Brian when he was overseas. They were driving along the road. There was this massive accident in front of him. Brian saw the accident happen. He grabbed the steering wheel, turned off the side of the road, and his driver turned around and he said, Who is your God? 
And Brian said, the God of the universe? And he said, I must worship him. You have just saved our life. So, I mean, I could write a book with all the things that have happened to us, but there's amazing opportunities for us to share who is important in our life. Zena Davidson is a Christian philanthropist who has helped out a number of ministries over the years, along with her husband. She is a past winner of Women in Business's Community Services and Dedication Award. We'll hear Zena's story next time. The story. story. Just another way vision is connecting faith to life. This program is a production of Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, see vision.org.au.